welcome to the Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kuttner, and I'm so glad you're here. This podcast will help you find ways to live a more authentic life. Every week, I have guests on the show from yoga teachers to meditation instructors, everyone to help you feel like the best you. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So today on the podcast, I have Chase Tollison. He is a coach for men and he is also a gym owner. Chase, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. This is awesome. Yeah. So I want to get into your background and why you got started with the work you do. So tell me a little bit more about you. My background. I grew up watching my dad lift weights and exercise. He had a weight bench in his bedroom when I was four years old. And that instilled this love for fitness and that fitness carried me through high school even while i was a less than stellar student young for my grades so i didn't do well going out for tryouts i was smaller than everybody else and fitness and lifting weights helped instill confidence fast forward past high school and i had zero direction like zero i was supposed to be a third generation united pilot that got sidelined when there was no money for flight lessons in eighth grade after 9-11. So after high school, the whole pilot thing had been shelved. And I was like, what do I do? Oh, the military will help me get direction. And I started talking with recruiters. And my interest was piqued by the special worker side of things. And the airport said, no, uh, you have a misdemeanor for marijuana possession. You can't get it. The Army said, well, you can go infantry, but not ranger. And then the Navy said, well, waive that arrest. You need to go get your eyes fixed because I had 2,400 vision. Put my car up for sale for LASIK and did the damn thing. I was talking with recruiters for over a year. And when I went to finally contract in, after I passed everything and I cleared the medical for LASIK, sorry, you can't get a SEAL contract. New instruction was sent out five days ago. Your misdemeanor is no longer waivable. So fast forward a bit more. I went through the Navy disenfranchised with a broken leadership system and decided I was going to get out and be my own boss. So I opened a CrossFit gym and we did it the way we thought was right and did it wrong for so long. Pumping people in, letting them burn off steam from the day via their workout and then sending them on their way as opposed to focusing why is there even steam to be built up. I found language and words and ways to rewire our subconscious for myself first. And that ended up with a deep dive down a rabbit hole and starting to coach language and words to create the life that we want. And that that's the short-winded version that brings us full circle. I love that. I love the power of language too. I think that's an important thing to touch on. So I know you kind of infuse fitness and coaching together. So tell me a little bit more how you use language to coach clients. Love to. Thank you. Most well-meaning fitness coaches start with habits as okay. the base, as the building block. And that's cool. That's the first story of the house. Mm-hmm. Our beliefs, our underlying identity, and whether or not we've given ourselves permission to be the person that lives our goal state, that's the foundation. And if you build your first floor without laying a foundation, your house is going to sink. Mm-hmm. That's how we've infused that in my program, the Primal Man Pathway that's aimed at helping burnt out men reclaim confidence of body and mind and overcome the rat race. 
you know, so many people lose themselves to win the rat race. We focus a lot on the stories rolling around in our heads and what words we're using to frame those stories. I think it's also interesting because people end up, you know, going to the gym and you could do all this to lose weight. You know, you can get your body in shape. You can look better, but then it, it comes down to like how you feel at the end of the day. And if you don't deal with your feelings and like you said, that underlying stuff underneath the iceberg, then you're still going to be unhappy. So do you have any stories of maybe some men that you've coached that have achieved that inner peace as well as the outer confidence? Yes, I have multiple. And to support what you're saying about pe most people want to feel the way they think fit people feel. Right. And all, I've seen this oftentimes. Guys come into my program, like, yeah, I work out five days a week. I want to keep working out five days a week. And after two or three sessions, one-on-one, -on -one, via Zoom, working on their stories, like, hey, uh, I want to start going for more hikes or you know, just have more time to unwind. I don't feel the need to be in the gym so often yeah because so many people are using the gym the same way an alcoholic uses a bottle of tequila absolutely yeah it's still an addiction and it's a place to run away from ourselves so the biggest change that we see when we're focusing on language is that the gym becomes a place that serves our life and i know you're really big on mindset so i want to get into mindset a little bit more so i know like we're using language to craft our reality but what other mindset tips do you have for people listening? How can they work on their mindset to have a better experience and a better reality? My first answer to that is always breathe. Yeah, uh, for sure. So many people are walking around this upregulated sympathetic nervous system, fight, flight, or freeze state. And so many people call it fight or flight. More often than not, it's just freeze. It's this yeah. overwhelm. So I like to term it, let go to gain control. Mm -hmm. unwind and let your body come down in that parasympathetic rest and digest and make your decisions there mm -hmm. multiple different ways to do that you can journal go for a walk without a phone meditate and that'll help us reclaim our language types so many people's language is vague externalized and defeatist and when we make that solid turn our language inwards and make it affirmative Mm -hmm. then we win. And I think it's also like the awareness, like you definitely have to be aware of the voices that are going on inside your brain. Be aware that maybe, you know, you have some limiting beliefs or maybe you have some negative self-talk. And then once you're aware, you can also turn that around. Yeah. And that's a great point. The awareness, because the victim mentality mm -hmm. is as addictive as crack cocaine. Yeah, for sure. And arguably, at least as disruptive to forward progress in life. So when we're stuck in that, it, it's this endless cycle of, well, it's somebody else's fault. Oh, well, maybe I'll sometimes kind of try to do this. You know, and we give all our power away to these external circumstances. So when we take it back, we can rewire our reticular activating system. And for the listeners, for anybody that doesn't know, whatever kind of car you drive, I would put a month's pay, I'd put a year's pay, on betting on the fact that whenever you bought the car that you bought last, you started seeing a lot more of those cars on the road. Nietzsche said, what you look at is what you see. So when we start using affirmative words, you know, as opposed to, I don't want to be late, well, I want to be on time, or I enjoy being on time. If we're saying, I don't want to be late all the time, what are we focusing on? Being late. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So I feel like that just goes right into manifestation. I know like we started to talk a little bit about manifestation together. So tell me like some tips that you have for that. If you think about it, you may see it, but I feel like there's more to manifestation than just thinking about something. So, you know, how do you go about like manifesting things into your life? Well, quantum physics has proven that subatomic packets communicate through space and time, right? And that atoms act differently and subatomic packets act differently when observed and when energy is acted upon them. Mm -hmm. So when we take that, we can say that there is literal science behind manifestation that the energy that you put out there will come full circle to you. Absolutely. So when we're using to pull it back, the words support that. When we're using the right kind of words to drive home the message that we want, we're going to reach out into that energy field, into the ether, the universe, and pull back what we want. Because the universe only hears what you say. So if you say, I don't want to be broke, it's going to hear you talking about being broke. If you say, I am successful, sure, you believe it, then the ether, the universe, the mystic energy that surrounds us all, the, the oneness, the source, will believe it too. I feel like you mentioned something about energy, and I want to get into that a little bit because, you know, like there's raising our vibration, and then there's, you know, having a positive mindset and all of this. But like, I feel like, Sometimes people get caught up. I want to just break it down for them so that it's super simple. So when it comes to manifesting things in our lives, how do you like to raise your vibration? We mentioned, you know, obviously there's fitness, there's getting out in nature. Like, how do you like to do it? Everything. It's, it's a holistic picture, right? Yeah. In my opinion, solid nutrition, good lifestyle habits, and daily movement. Mm -hmm. Daily movement, like resistance training workouts three to four days a week. Go for a couple miles of walk a day. Keep your blood moving. All of that will help to support being mentally acute. It'll help you sleep better. When you focus on your sleep, you can dial in your rhythms. And once we have all that lifestyle stuff down, then it's really, really easy to learn how to meditate and tap into that energy side. So while there's some people who are in the gym and not focusing on that mindset piece, there are also people who are meditating and trying to manifest and going to McDonald's two times a day. Mm-hmm. And they're putting these food-like products in their body where the energy is trying to flow through and obstructing stuff. And they're wondering, why is it my spiritual practice working? I mean, I think it's also like an individual thing, I think. You know, when we tap into our unique things that make us happy, that's when we're raising our state too. And I think everybody can kind of tap into it differently. So. I feel like, you know, if you're somebody who can raise your vibration by getting out in nature and getting a hard workout, awesome. But also there's people that, you know, love to play music or love to do art. So for them, that's a high vibe state. So, you know, they're able to manifest in those different states. So I also just like to shine some light on that too, because I feel like there's so much around manifestation and I think people get like lost in all the things that are thrown at them kind of like nutrition. Like there's so much out there with nutrition, but it's really about like what works for you and what you can latch on to, I think. Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, what's the smallest step you can take, the easiest step you can take that'll affect the most change. Mm-hmm. And so many people want to take this giant step that's not going to really affect any change. 
So yeah, with whatever path you walk on life, what's the easiest step you can take right now that will affect change? And once you've reached that step, what's the next one you can take? Awesome. So I would love to hear a little bit more about your programs. I know you mentioned some cool things to me when we started talking about linking breath and movement and retraining our minds. So we got into manifestation, we got into limiting beliefs, but tell me a little bit more about like how you work with folks. Especially in the fitness, fitness professional, whatever it is, we'll go fitness. That's my background. Yeah. You have somebody that's 280 pounds and they want to be 200 pounds. They say they've been trying for seven years mm-hmm. and they haven't budged off of 280. They have a saboteur, a stowaway, an evil twin inside their head <laughs> that, it, that is telling them, no, you're 280 pounds. That's who we are. We right. live life at 280 pounds. Right. And that stowaway is usually supported by stories from our past mm-hmm. that that instead of moving through and realizing how little weight they have, we move around them and then we attach a self-made chain to them and they drag through life, banging around, screwing stuff up. So when we can dig in and work on those stories, then we can see forward progress in any area that we want. I love that you highlighted that a little bit because I feel like, you know, we can be our own worst enemy and I think we have to break down why we're doing that to ourselves. So I feel like there's so much psychology in fitness. It's such a head game. It's one thing to show up and work out, but like you said, it's also like, how are you treating your body? What food are you putting into your body? What is keeping you stuck in the same place? Like, why is it so hard for you to lose weight? And I agree with you that a lot of people like self-sabotage and they don't even understand why they do it. Yeah. Going to the gym three or four days a week and then living like a college student, the other 23 hours of the day is like saving for retirement while choosing to max out a new credit card every month. For sure. Yeah. And good for you. I want to make sure I put this on me. Good for you for getting to the gym. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And now let's take the next easy step that'll affect change. Yeah. Stop maxing out your credit card. (laughs) You need to change. (laughs) Exactly. Change how you're showing up. Awesome. So I guess just let me know like what you're currently working on, like what's coming up for you in your life that you feel like you're working towards or like you're trying to get over. I feel like our personal stories can also come into like how we coach. Like I know, you know, when I would coach people, I would see a lot of similarities and patterns, like based on like whatever I was going through. So do you see that with some of your clients? What do you feel like you're working through? Great question. Joseph Campbell pioneered the hero's journey. You know, it's a constant revolution. So you know, the most current one is accepting my own advice of slowing down. Right. Yep. Letting go to gain control. And as I have done that and listened more to myself and done what comes naturally as opposed to what's feeling forced, the opportunities present themselves. A hundred percent. And it's up to us to act on them. They will present themselves when you are operating in the spot that is natural for you. And that's, that's been my most recent revolution around that journey. And it has uh, definitely presented itself. And it's something that I see with my clients as well. You know, they're, they think that they should do something because that's what they've been told they should do their whole life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or we could do 
whatever we can do to express our unique genius. And when you can lean into that, that's your superpower. Like we're all witches and wizards and superheroes. Just we've locked it away for in favor of listening to everything we've been told, essentially. Yeah, that's the gold. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's like that phrase, you know, relax and it will come. It's so true. And it's also getting into your flow and, and not buying into these stories that have been sold to us. You started to touch on this in the beginning with your own personal story of how you thought you're supposed to do this, or you thought you're supposed to do that. And it seems like there was a lot of resistance happening. And that's not when we're able to get to our highest self or our highest vibration, because we're not allowing ourselves to be who we really are. And I, I think some of the journey is just discovering who we really are and then letting yourself be that person and letting yourself like experience joy more often and letting yourself relax and not be so busy. And I think, you know, that's the gem from this past year is that busyness doesn't really serve you unless it really does serve you. Then by all means, like go for the busy. But if it's not serving you, like be okay, letting it go, you know? Yeah. And there, there will be busy times. It's not your identity. It's to support your point. I was asked on a podcast one time, what is the hell that I solve? And the hell that I solve is when you look a man in the eyes and you ask him if he knows who he's supposed to be, not who he's been told he's supposed to be, who at his core, he, he truly is. Mm -hmm. And then he glasses over and realizes he never really even thought about that and kind of quietly utters no. And that's, there's so many people out there that have yet to even know that that's a question they should be asking themselves. Oh yeah. A million percent. And I think, you know, some people buy into like the life that they're supposed to be living or the job they're supposed to have, or, you know, the house and the car and like thinking that all of those things are what they're supposed to have. But sometimes it's a different path. And I think, it's really listening to those voices that say like, hey, this isn't happiness. This isn't joy. This isn't flow. And so it's always nice to just get that message out there that you could do something different and it's okay. Some of the most unhappy people I know have the nicest houses and the most expensive cars. Yep. And some of the most well-aligned, open souls that I know left well-paying jobs to go do what they love and Surprise, surprise, they found their flow and they make at least as good of a living as they used to. Mm -hmm. And they're living with what they need as opposed to buying the newest model of the newest car and having the newest phone because I want everybody to see my cool stuff. I mean, it's it's the old quote of work a job we hate, to buy stuff we don't need, to impress people we don't like to live in a house, to pay for a house that we don't get to spend time in. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good message to take home. I got chills when you were saying that. Cool. So tell me like what you're up to. Like, what do you do with your clients? Like, do you run like workouts every week? Tell me a little more about what you're doing. So in the gym, uh, local Chicago area, that's been open for seven years. My coaches are building careers in the gym now. So I like coaching. I still want to coach. So I found coaching worldwide now. And I coach guys remotely, custom fitness and lifestyle, along with all the mindset stuff that we've been talking about. And this will come, I'm I'm sure is no surprise to you. All that mindset stuff 
ends up being far more what they rave about than the cool workouts that I know how to write. Mm-hmm. And the physical results just keep coming. And my goal with this, with the Primal Man Pathways, by and large, a 12-week program, is that when a man gets through it, he no longer needs a coach. He doesn't need a fitness coach. He doesn't need a life coach. He can find tactics and apply them. And it's, it's been happening. I get Facebook messages. I see guys months afterwards posting shirtless selfies to their Instagram stories for like the first time ever because they're proud of what they're doing. Let's go. Like, the fitness industry has been run on fear and scarcity for so long that, oh, you need a trainer. You need this. And trainers are stuck in this scarcity mindset where they're, they can't approach abundance and realize that there's more people out there. My goal with the Primal Man Pathway is to quite literally work myself out of a job. I want to create men that are examples of leadership and confidence in their communities that after 12 weeks, they're like, they're either like, yeah, Chase, I like you and I want to stay working with you because I like you. Or like, hey, thank you. I can go do whatever I want. Yeah, I love, I love that. I really do. It's always like a nice feeling when like you teach people how to like be self-sufficient. I feel like a good coach or a good therapist like gives whoever they're working with like enough tools to be okay on their own and that's when they know like they've succeeded I feel like there's always going to be like some new people to help you know I feel like back to law of attraction as you evolve you probably will attract some different people so you'll probably always still have a job (laughs) well not not to say you're going to get out of your job but yeah just like giving your clients like the tools they need to do it themselves Thank you for catching me on that because I'll be careful putting that out there. Yeah. Uh, It's vigorous speech. Yes. And yeah, you know, there will, the imposter syndrome gets worse the higher you go. For sure. Yeah. I've worked with guys that seem to have it all made. $250,000, $300,000 a year of income, seven figures of net worth. They got the family, they got the car, they got the house, and they are screaming inside. They Mm -hmm. don't know what to do and they don't know who to talk about it to because they're supposed to have it all together yeah and i liken it to uh, an old comic i saw about entrepreneurs that the entrepreneur is like the man riding the lion everybody's looking at the guy in the lion thinking he's a badass like oh he's so cool look at him he's riding the lion the guy in the lion is just wondering how he got up there and how not to get eaten yeah and it's funny it's like oh ha ha nobody knows what they're doing and it's also society normalizing the imposters And the more that you believe that you're not supposed to be there, that you're going to get found out, that then it's going to creep not only into that professional aspect, also into all areas of your life, that you're, you're not worthy of losing the weight. You're not worthy of your gorgeous spouse. You're not worthy of this family you built. You know, you're not worthy of the car you drive. And it's rearranging that in one piece, giving yourself permission to accept your wins and recognize them. And it'll bleed over into everything else. I think it's interesting because like we develop like this imposter syndrome over time through the way that we're raised and programming and like the kids that bully us or whatever, whatever it is, you know? And I think like at our natural state, like we know we deserve good things. I think you know, that's that unlocking of abundance, like knowing that, you know, you're awesome the way you are and that you have gifts to share. I think at some level we know that, but it's all this programming and all these beliefs that have been like thrown at us 
that like we don't deserve things or like we're not good enough. And I think back to that conversation of breaking down those beliefs, like what's going on between your ears that you need to actually like break down and get rid of because Sometimes like a computer system, like whatever is running up there may not be what's best. So it's really important to like take a look at the beliefs that, you know, you're giving life to versus, you know, maybe changing them up and, and questioning them and, and being able to adopt better habits and beliefs. Yes. So many people are running around without their antivirus turned on for your computer analogy. Yep. And they'll just accept anything coming in and we're taught to be humble in quotes True. because most people's society's definition of humble is to act small and never talk about your accomplishments because you'll be labeled a narcissist and overconfident and like you're egotistical mm. do those people exist yes have we gone a bit too far in my opinion to the point that we have people squelching their own flame yes and, and we all have this fire inside of us right and oftentimes we get burned by it or we burn somebody else with it True. and we put it out and so many people end there they put their fire out and they just go through life with darkness with no light to guide them and mastery is where you can take that fire right back out of the bonfire and hold it in a torch and walk with it and control it and play with it and juggle it if you want to i love that i love the way you said that I think that's a really good way to put it. And I do agree with you. Like everybody has this light and it goes back to like, what lights your soul up? Like what lights you up? What makes you feel like you're glowing? Pay attention to those things and make sure that you give yourself the credit you deserve. And yeah, I mean, it, it does come back to the way we're raised with just these limiting beliefs about how successful we could be or how happy we could be or like how good life could be. So it's, yeah, it's definitely breaking that down and not letting that run. On those limiting beliefs, the definition of abracadabra, where it comes from. I think we spoke on this, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit, yeah. Abracadabra comes from the ancient Aramaic for with my word I create. Merriam-Webster's definition of a spell is a word or combination of words that holds great power. So every time we speak, we're casting a spell and we are deciding whether or not we're going to give ourselves that permission to succeed or to accept our wins, to own our power. And the more that we downplay the, the thank yous or the more that we say, oh yeah, it was nothing. Oh, great job on that. Yeah, but so-and-so actually did more of it. Oh, hey, you look really good today. Oh no, I don't know what you're talking about. The more that we deflect those compliments or deflect our wins, the more that we're casting that spell and creating a reality where we think we are undeserving of that where we don't deserve that. And sooner or later, we're just gonna stop doing things to deserve that because we believe so deeply that we don't deserve it. And hey, look, we cast a spell, we created it, it came true. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I really do think that's important to just like let people know like you can create magic in your life, but it also depends on, you know, what you're thinking, what you're feeling and how you're showing up, so. If you're going to show up like you're a small person and you don't deserve to be in a room, then that's what you're going to continue to experience. But if you take ownership of your power that you have, because we're all pretty powerful, then you can definitely change what's going on in your outside world. I think it's getting back to our like nature. That's, that's what I was thinking. Like, you know, like I said, like, I really feel like 
our true nature is joy, it's flow, it's lightness, and it's getting back to that. I think that's when you're creating that good magic. Yes, that's that high vibrational state where you're going to pull into your realm what you want. If it's all right, I'd like to share a four-step process that, that works. Sure, yeah, go for it. So that's the four-step process that uh, the bones of what I'm certified in, uh, of story work. If you guys have a story out there that is bothering you, something, oh, they did this, someone did that, this didn't happen, write it down. Write it down conversation and then read it and read it at 70%. Check in with yourself. Where do you feel it in your body? How big is that feeling? And does it remind you of anything? After that first read, read it a little slower, 70% speed. Check in again. After that read, put a breath at the end of each sentence. Big, deep breath. Read it out loud again. Check back in. And see if that story really still holds all that much weight. Hmm. Or if it's helped the breath and the, because how many people even have an effective journaling practice of writing stuff down, much less speaking it back into existence? Yeah, no, it's good to just like really give yourself that awareness. And I think having a journaling practice is awesome. I, I definitely advocate for that because it helps you process what's going on and it helps you get some perspective. And um, there's a meditation that I really like that also helps with that. It's it's the observer meditation. We're able to like act like you're standing outside yourself and observe what's going on. It just gives you so much perspective because you're not so caught up in it. I feel like sometimes emotions can be really intense, especially for highly sensitive people. So if you can take a couple steps back and like give yourself that observer perspective, it just, it gives you a lot of insight that you may not get otherwise. And I think that's similar in the journaling practice you mentioned. Yes, definitely. It's, it's the ability to detach from the story and, and look at it and, and one way or the other, take your, yourself out of it and look back at it. Yep. And you're going to find a whole lot of clarity there. So much clarity. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I really had fun talking with you today. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Do you want to drop your Instagram or your website? Let me know where everyone can find you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Instagram at coach underscore chase underscore Tolleson. That is where we're living and breathing right now. Website www.chasetolleson.com is under construction. So may or may not be live by the time this drops. Those will, those will be the spots to find me. The messaging gets pushed hard on Instagram. If you want to see what I'm about. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Rachel, thank you. This is awesome. Hey, friends. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Solutions Podcast. For more episodes just like this, be sure to subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at Solutions Pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.